0: Therefore, do not despair, but even if our physical body is wearing away, our inner person is being renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4.16 My dear mother passed away this week, and this verse from Paul really sums up everything that was happening to her while she put up a valiant struggle to stay with us. Her physical body was wearing away. I watched as she faded and held her hand while she struggled. A friend of mine said that in most circumstances we view the fight for life as courageous, and she was courageous to the end, even as I prayed she would go gentle into that good night to play with Dylan Thomas's words. I don't know about her inner person being renewed, but I do know that the hours I spent at her bedside praying her to the final surrender renewed me day by day. When I remember what I saw as I stroked my mother's hand, head, Paul's words comfort me. I'm reminded that what my human eyes perceive is temporary, of this world only. And through faith, I believe that what I cannot see, and the place whence my mother was so bravely preparing to depart, is eternal in the heavens. May your soul rest in peace, Mommy. Amen. Hello. Welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler, and I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. Good morning, Texans. Good afternoon, fellow countrymen. Although I'm an American now, so do I count as a Texan also? My guest this week is Laurie Zulinger, who is going to talk to us about homeschooling in Alaska. I may be talking about the turmoil of my arrival, the beauty of our flat, the magnificence of our local church, and a little about my nephews, who are 12, and one turns eight today. You'll have to stay tuned to find out what I have for you today. So go get your morning cup of coffee or your afternoon tea and join me for the next hour as I update you on the life of the other half of the McNinnies. As I mentioned in my opening, my lovely mum passed away on Sunday. My brother and I had shared the vigil since my arrival last Thursday. And honestly, it was surely a supernatural force that was keeping me going as I kept awake all through the night, monitoring her breathing, watching for changes and stroking her weary head. My brother kept me company for the first night and we talked in low voices. The other three ladies in the ward were sound asleep. He reminded me about how mum and dad used to take us to our grandparents to stay for a week during the holidays. When the time came for them to leave us, we'd become very clingy, not wanting them to go. Vincent said they'd do something to distract us, like send us off to play with the dog, and then they'd sneak away while we weren't looking. He wondered if that was what Mum was going to do, sneak away while our backs were turned. This made us wary of leaving her side together, although sometimes the nurses would ask us to leave while they moved her. We'd find ourselves hovering on the outskirts of the curtains." That first morning, as I heard the birds welcoming the dawn at 4 a.m., Vincent suggested we grab some sleep, sitting up sleep. He pointed out the view of the sun rising over St. Mary's docks close to the city, which we could see from the hospital window. I sat and watched the parklands come to life with the sun rays among the leaves. I was still wide awake. I watched all day Friday and Friday night going home briefly for food, refueling and a shower. And finally on Saturday night, Vincent took over in exchange for his two boys. Their childish antics distracted me until bedtime. It felt good to lie down. I woke up early to go to mass and then returned to my vigil on Sunday morning. And I noticed some minor changes. Her breathing had become audible and regular every three seconds. I found myself sinking to her rhythm and realized that she was indeed breathing shallowly. I couldn't keep up with her. My blue-eyed cowboy joined me in the afternoon and gradually my mother started fluttering her eyelids and showing some signs of discomfort. I requested a nurse to give her another injection to help with the mucus in her throat causing her to snore and three nurses came in to minister to her. We left for about five minutes and on our return there was silence. Mum had indeed snuck away while we weren't looking well i've decided not to be maudlin this week so i'm going to take some time to talk about the disservice we're doing to each other by putting on a mask to face the world and um hang on a minute Putting on a mask to face the world. I'm getting distracted here with stuff that's popping up on my screen. Well, I know I keep things to myself. Um, I'm the first to admit it. Why would I air my dirty laundry in public or my clean laundry, for that matter? I'm English. Come on. I put it down to privacy, but a few conversations here and there have got me thinking differently. Have you seen the film? And I don't know what it's called, so forgive me, but it's where we, the audience, are privy to to the thoughts going on in the players' heads. It's quite clever, really, as we discover that very often we don't say what we're thinking. Some of our comments may be out and out lies, but they're protective because how many of us, when asked, do I look fat in this dress, would say, frankly, yes. We lose the ability for complete and brutal honesty sometime during childhood when we become aware of others' feelings rather than just our own. Thank goodness, or is it? A few weeks ago, I was talking to a young homeschooling friend of mine about how I enjoyed talking to other people with older children because I discovered that I was not going through struggles with, say, empty nest all by myself. This support of fellow humans treading the same path prevails through all stages of our lives if we allow it to. But I know once we get into the whole world of parenting and scheduling and losing ourselves to our children, we forget about the importance of friends, the sharing of troubles, the realness of our humanity, and we become islanders who imagine we're all alone with no one to share our ups and downs. And there are lots of downs. I know I speak from experience because we never really had time to make good enough friends or see families regularly enough to really unload and admit that our lives were dogged with pitfalls and boulders, crevices and deep water, quicksand and traps... We'd handle the joys and celebrations. For some reason, the ups aren't quite so fussy about familiarity, so we don't have a problem telling people our success stories. It's okay to talk about success to those who will listen, but not so with troubles. This friend of mine um, is pretty transparent with me. I'm her mentor. I'm safe. She trusts me and knows I have the experience of years and years of wisdom behind me. I told her how I'd found out that I wasn't alone in feeling that my memory was going because I was just too darn busy and didn't know how to slow down. There were others who were feeling it too. And I discovered finally that, you know, I wasn't by myself. We are Stephen ministers, she and I, and our churches are experiencing problems of caregivers and care receivers being able to get together once a week for a face-to-face meeting for Christian care. And it's funny because we both think that it's because of our particular church. There's something wrong with the people in our particular congregation. But I tapped into my newfound knowledge of myself and suggested that we weren't the only churches maybe with Stephen ministry who are experiencing this dilemma and why not contact the head office? office um, in Missouri and find out from Stephen Ministry Corporate if other churches were having the problem and um, what they were doing about it. And she thought that um, this was a great idea. She hadn't really thought about it. She was still in that little small nucleus of um, this is my church, we're having a problem, you know, this is just our problem, nobody else is having that problem, maybe we're doing something wrong so she opened up and she told me about a homeschooling family she associates with who have four children about the same age as her four and she said they were always well-dressed well behaved and polite mom always seemed to have her act together and while they were talking she discovered that her friend was having discipline problems with the oldest girl the oldest girl was being rude to her co-op teachers and Sunday school teachers and I mean I'm talking oldest girl she was like 10 or something My friend was surprised because the family certainly gave the impression of perfection, you know, the model homeschool family. But she found it had a flaw and the mother was willing to talk about it. I looked at my friend and nodded. We certainly do our fellow travelers on this earth a disservice by putting on a false front to the world. I hasten to add that I didn't advocate in my British stiff upper lipness, that we yell every problem from the rooftop. But I did suggest that we're honest with those we're relatively close to as well as those we know well. But we're often not honest. Even then, I know family members I mean, and how much close, well, I guess you, some family members you're not really close to, but these particular family members we see mostly, um, you know, at least once a week. And they've had dreadful struggles with their children. And while I don't go gloating about my upstanding family, I don't tell them about the flaws and holes going on in my household. It may have been better to admit that we were not the June Cleaver family made ourselves out to be. The facade was false some of the times. While it wasn't, that we just well it wasn't really um a false facade we just preferred to deal with any dysfunctions ourselves using books and the internet to offer insight into our possible problems so it's time i think to take down the barrier and admit that anger happens but not in public that lying occurred but not was revealed that on occasion a child has been known to steal but not from a friend or to sneak out of the house, but not being told on. To nap instead of doing homework, but not get caught. Or gone somewhere other than they say they were going but not being followed. Maybe hardcore morals have been thwarted by our carefully raised teens who claim, I'm not you, mum. Perhaps parking and speeding tickets have become drinking citations. New tattoos have kept cropping up as they search to find themselves. Trust me, none of this would have been done by the me they claim they're not. But I know all this belongs to the purview of young humans. It belongs to to me. I didn't want to risk doing something that would ruin my life, so I played it sensible most of the time. But I did rebel in my own way. I did do plenty of things that changed my life. Moving to America at the invitation of my blue-eyed cowboy stands out as one of them, and boy, did it change my life. Whether your child is homeschooled or not, Christian or not, comes from a good family or not, does not act as a guarantee against life. It may water down the reactions, but the urge to rebel and establish independence prevails, and the current culture will dictate how that rebellion manifests itself. Admitting the downfalls of family is difficult. Parents can't help but blame themselves. The way I view it is... Once they reach 18, they can decide for themselves, it's not my life they may be ruining, my body they may be scarring, my job they may be jeopardizing, it's theirs. Although we weep to see our children suffer, we need to let them go, and hopefully the finding process won't be too difficult, the angst for us won't be too gritty, the cost won't be prohibitive, because we know we'll bail them out at least once in their lifetime. To say they'll turn out all right at this point in my life is difficult. A priest once says if a person doesn't rebel in their late teens to early 20s they probably will later on in their life and then it'll be even worse so don't be afraid to be honest about your family how your family really is get out from behind those net curtains and polite coffee mornings speak up share your christian walk with the ups and downs
1: do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Y'all wave your hands, look who's on, it's Dakota Man Keith and he's number one. Now you might think Juan's youth was sad, right. cause he had a death, kill mommy and dad, right. but that ain't the case, nope. it wasn't his fate, nope. the walls never struggled to communicate. Ha! Y'all wave your hands, look who's on, it's Dakota Man Keith number one. It's That Keith Wan Show on Toginet.com Wednesday nights at 8, 7 central. Every week, That Keith Wan Show will have guests that share their experiences, expertise, opinions, and personal lives with us to hopefully help us better understand others. The topics and guests will come from the American Sign Language community. For more on Keith Juan and the show, go to his website KeithWahnWANN.com Listen with an open mind and willingness to learn and help with the cultural bridge. Number number one. Keats number one, one. everybody crap, put the coder man's on. One. Number number one, one. keeps number one, one. everybody crap, cause the coder man's on. Don't miss That Keith Wan Show, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom, Tuesday afternoons at 1 eastern, noon central, on Toginet Net with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture, to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad, the Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. Everybody go- in the early 90s Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping and politics into an actual website and thus notsosoccermom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is laugh out loud funny and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing? Chronicling her opinions on everything. The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not So Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on TogiNet.com. Welcome back to The Social Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny.
0: Well, I'm back. and My guest this afternoon has been a certified teacher for 27 years. Her name is Lori Zuliger. And she's taught in public schools in the bush of Alaska, being a part of a team for two years, creating a curriculum project designed to help students improve their proficiency in reading, writing and math so that they can pass the state X exam. In the process, she became acquainted with and finally involved in the homeschooling movement, which led her to her decision to start homeschooling her daughter when she was in second grade. Welcome, Laurie. Good morning to you. Good morning, Vivian. How are you this morning. I'm doing fine. It's quite early here in Alaska, but a beautiful day. Well, good. I'm glad it is. It's five o'clock in the morning for you, and um, I think you told me that you're involved with community theater. So you probably had a late night last night, <laughs> did you? <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. And so, what are you doing? What What are you doing? What show are you doing? We're actually doing a British farce called It Runs in the Family. Oh yeah,
2: it's very funny.
0: Yes, and you're an actor in it, right? Yes,
2: yes, I am. And so is my daughter. She plays my daughter, so that works out just great. Oh, she does. Well, oh,
0: that's <laughs> yes. I, my husband and I were involved in um, community theatre with our children. It just kept the whole family together. We had four children, and they were all always involved in every show that we did. So,
2: oh, I think it's so wonderful when my daughter was young. You know, I think we all try to find one thing that our children can latch on to, to help them find a voice or, you know, some way to stay out of trouble, however we want to look at it. And, yeah. you know, we tried everything, um, oil painting, ballet, everything you can think of. And when we um, started doing the theater, actually I would write a play and I'd have my daughter and her little preschool friends put it on, and, and uh, she just really shined in that area, so really encouraged her she's been in dozens of plays she's just been able to bloom through this venue and I'm just happy that we've been able to do that as a family.
0: So are you in rehearsal or a performance at the moment?
2: We're just in rehearsal just in the very beginning stages at at this point so
0: it's fun. Well, because I know that as as you get through into Tech Week and the nights get later and later, you're relieved when you actually get into performances because once the show is over, you can go. There are no no (laughs) notes. It's kind of like the cycle of children. Yes, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Do you rehearse every night? Excuse me. Are you rehearsing every night? Oh no, no. It's summer. So we try to honor that here
2: in Alaska because you did ask about the daylight. We don't really – it doesn't get dark here in the summer. Mm -hmm. So we try to take advantage of every moment of sunlight that we can, especially the weekends. We do our gardening and and getting out and fishing and and, uh, just enjoying the great outdoors. It's so beautiful here. Mm -hmm. And in the winter, we only get about six hours of daylight, and it's not very – it's not like the sun ever crests the edge of the hill, so it's um, muted and darker, and everyone wants to stay in and hunker in and and so everyone gets out in the summer, so we've just been re- um, rehearsing in the middle of the week.
0: yeah, so um, I know that here in England, I've just moved back to London I've been here a week. Um, of course it stays light until about nine twenty or nine thirty, and we completely forget about the time and so we're out the sun's still mm-hmm. quite high in the sky and we're eating later and going to bed a whole lot later and i'm thinking <laughs> is it jet lag or is it just because it's so light and then of course at four o'clock in the morning it's light again and i'm going i want to get up <laughs> and I'm going, what am i doing so do you i mean are you is your sleep pattern disrupted or do you get used to that
2: I mean, it used to disrupt me and um, people in the bush um, we call it Bush Alaska when you're on a roadless community. Mm-hmm. Means you have to fly in or boat in or snow snowmobile in, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I, um, when we lived out there, a lot of people would put foil over their windows, so mm-hmm. in their bedrooms it was very dark. Uh, wooden blinds are pretty good too. It is hard to go to, to force myself to go to bed because I do work and I, I do so very early. Mm-hmm. And so, um four o'clock in the morning now, because that's when the sun starts blazing in the window, i I my eyes pop wide awake. and at ten o'clock, eleven o'clock when I try to go to bed, it's just still like regular day outside, so mm-hmm. it is a challenge, but uh, it's not one that i I complain about. I'd more so complain about the darkness in the winter. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so how long is? I mean, is that an equal six months light, six months dark? How does that work? No, it's not equal. It, it's sort of like in the fall
2: and the spring. We have a normal world here in Alaska, like just like everybody else on the planet. And um, and, then, and then there's that three to four months in the middle of the deep winter and high summer that it's a completely different world here. It's exciting. I, I like it. I you know, Like I said, I could trade the darkness of winter. I, that's not my favorite thing. I have to keep a little light box on my desk.
0: Yeah. And so is it deep? I mean, is it terrible weather and snow and all that kind of stuff? The weather, the win- we,
2: I mean, I love snow. The snow's not a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah it, it can get really cold. It can get cold other places too. I, I wouldn't say that um, the weather for me is any kind of an issue for Alaska. Yeah. It's, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, are you an Alaskan born No, I'm not. You Actually, not? was born in Oregon, right. in the lower 48, and uh, lived there, taught there, have also lived in the state of Washington mm-hmm. and uh, Montana, most recently before Alaska. Mm-hmm. A lot of Montanans tend to move up to Alaska. I'm not sure why, <laughs> but uh, Montana was lovely. I loved it there and uh, taught in a public school there. Mm -hmm. It felt like going back in time 20 years when I went to Montana. Really? (laughs) Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you were a a public school teacher for 27 years. Now, do you still teach, or when you started to homeschool, how did that affect your career?
2: Um, Actually, I only taught in the public school for 17 years. I've been teaching for 27, but um, my actual public school experience was 17 years worth of that. And, um, you know, I created my own community within my classroom and mm-hmm. so I, I sort of just um blocked out the rest of what was going on I, It was kind of frightening to go into the hallways i worked in the middle school for the majority of my time and i felt sorry for the kids it was a tough time for them mm-hmm. And i tried to create a community of, of love and nourishment and give them a voice in my classroom and i thought i was really doing a good job and but then um you know going up and working in bush alaska is a very different world it, if you've ever worked in an indigenous um, community where their customs and their world is is being taken away or has been changing, mm-hmm. and they're not sure how to transition, that's where mm-hmm. my community was, where I was, and it was sad. I would have to say the overall prevailing attitude is sorrow. Mm-hmm. And for me, I didn't really want to raise my daughter in that community. Because of that reason, the people were wonderful. The school district was just, you know, top-notch, um, providing every opportunity for those children. I was always saying, wow, if I could have brought this back to Montana, think what the kids could do with this. Um, but it was nice to come out of the Bush community, come back into um, a road community, and and begin... My journey into the homeschooling world, which has just been amazing. What a gift! What a blessing! Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, let me go back a little bit to when you were in the bush community. You said it's roadless, so the only way you could access would be either by boat or by plane. So, did you have a private plane? I mean, did you have your own plane, or did you have to, you know, sort of? No, in fact, because- you know, it did feel
2: you felt like you were trapped.
0: I think that yeah. was um, for me. I
2: it was was disturbing to think that if I needed to get out to go see my family for any reason you were talking about your mother and how you really needed to be with her mm-hmm. I had this feeling that what if I needed to get out in a hurry there was no hurry about it mm-hmm. um and it would be a lot of planes and a lot of money and um it, it really
0: bothered me I didn't like that I didn't okay. like you being so, there, you, so you were there with your husband and daughter yeah and yes. Were, you, were you working had you gone there for a job Yes, in fact,
2: I was teaching in a uh, boarding school where students from all over Alaska came to live there, and it was a high school, and they came to seek an education and for many of them to seek the safety of someplace away from their home. And so it was, you know, there was a lot of challenges. And I think mm-hmm. dealing with the students' emotions of being away from home, and, and many of them only had, like, a third-grade education at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was teaching ninth and tenth graders, so it was, it was a challenge. But it mm-hmm. was, I, I really feel like if anyone wants to live in Alaska or know Alaska, you really need to live in
0: a bush community yeah. to now have is there, that. is there sense. a different, like, Patois dialect?
2: No, well, they have um, different um, languages. There's the Athabascan mm-hmm. language, and, you know, they all have their own languages, but they speak English now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: they, they it's, it's a struggle to try to keep the language going with their youth. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, actually, even a, a friend of mine um, is young. I mean, she's in her mid-20s, and her parents are um, Hispanic, and she has no, hisp- uh, no language, she doesn't speak Mexican or Spanish mm-hmm. at all, because she chose when she was younger that she didn't want to do that. But now she regrets it. Yeah, because yeah, there are so many. Funny. She's a teacher and a speech therapist, and she mm-hmm. said, you know, my colleague when she's on vacation, she speaks Spanish, and I can't deal. I can't teach her her um, patients, mm-hmm. and because I don't speak the language, and I'm looking at her and I'm going, that you look as though you should, and your parents obviously did. And she said, no, I chose not to, but I regret it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad because you lose a part of your culture mm-hmm. by doing that. But I suppose the children have the choice and uh, they, they just don't want to. They don't want to. Do that. It's old fashioned. They view it as old fashioned. We've done it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, so you um, now we need to talk about how did you become? Oh, we have a minute. So I'm not going to get into that yet. Next. <laughs> yeah, I just looked at my screen and I went, oh, a minute. Um, Um, I want to talk to you in the next section about how you became involved. You said that the homeschooling path was absolutely Mm -hmm. wonderful. And I spoke to somebody in Australia actually last week, and he said he had such a wonderful, wonderful introduction to homeschoolers themselves, how wonderful they were. And it made such a change because a lot of people, you know, when they think about homeschoolers as a stereotype and they think they're weird and that. So it's really nice to hear from people who've had really, really wonderful, positive experiences when they first meet with homeschoolers. So Mm -hmm. that's what we'll talk about when we come back. And I'm um, talking to Laurie Zuliger. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Well, it's probably, with your own accent, that's correct. Zoliger is how it's typically Oh, Zoliger. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lori Zoliger, who lives in Alaska, and she homeschools her daughter. So we'll be back in about 90 seconds. Thank you, Vivian. Thank
1: you. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Lindale Link with host Holly Rand comes Mondays at 10 a.m. Central on TokiNet.com.
0: Lindell Link is Lindell's first and only internet radio broadcast.
1: Holly, tell us about
0: it. It's really something from my heart that I want to be teamwork um, for the entire community to get the word out about everything that's going on here. We're talking to the entire community of Wendell. This is not limited to just businesses or just parents or just teachers. Simply to get the word out about your cause or your company, you must go to where the people are. And today, people are on the internet. Lyndale Link. Lyndale, Texas is a growing chain of business, education, commerce, community. Together, Lyndale Link can create one strong chain of communication.
1: Check out lyndalelink.com and then check out lyndale link, the radio show. Lyndale Link with host Holly Rand. Mondays at 10 a.m. Central on toginet.com. The trick to getting published with your host, Florence Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Flo has seen it, done it, and now can share from her experiences as a newspaper staff reporter, feature writer, freelance editor, and college writing instructor. And now Flo has authored a system whereby her students enjoy a 90% success rate in attaining publication of their manuscripts for the first time. In just four years, she has over 800 of her own articles published in national magazines, newspapers, and anthologies. Author of several books, including the powerful memoir, The Sicilian Nobleman's Daughter, Florence has advised and edited professors, deans, PhDs, and hundreds of students' writings before submission. And now it's your turn. Join us Friday nights with your questions. Most of Flo's students say they've learned much and thoroughly enjoyed the journey. It's the trick to getting published with your host, Flo Blake. Flo Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenney, The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career Join us as we plow through the problems tackle the challenges and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on toginet And now back to your host, Vivian McNenney.
0: Well, I'm back, and um, Laurie. Now we'll talk about um, your introduction to homeschooling, and you were you were in, you were doing a project, weren't you, when you um, met homeschoolers? Yes, so, I t- came out of the bush and uh,
2: began working on a language arts portion of a project that for our it's called HSGQE, the High School Graduation Qualifying Exam. Many states have them now for the high school students to take to be able to actually receive the diploma. And so, you know, people were up in arms. They're like, well, what do I need to know? What do my students need to know, do, or understand to be able to pass this test? Mm -hmm. And so we spent a year, a team of us, dissecting um, the prototype of the test and trying to figure out to what degree students need to know which objectives. And I was on the reading and the writing team. And um, it was a very good learning experience for myself. And, you know, to to go backwards, I think as homeschoolers, we want to say we don't care about any of that stuff. <laughs> we want to say, I don't want to have to deal with state testing and I don't want to have to think about that. But on the other hand, the way I look at it is I don't want to close any doors for my children. No. I want them to be able to walk through and do whatever they want to do when it comes time. Mm-hmm. And um, standardized testing is part of their world. If they're going to college, there's the SAT, the ACT. Maybe there are other tests, um, depending on the country that you're in. But it's just one of those loops, those hoops that kids have to jump through to be able to find success. And so I think not not teaching to the test, but more um, teaching them how to succeed in that situation is what, what we're trying to do here.
0: Uh, And um, did your daughter, did you have her take the standardized standardized tests as you were homeschooling her?
2: Yes, in fact, Alaska is very unique um, to the other 48, lower 48 states in their homeschooling programs in that the state of Alaska supports homeschoolers in Mm -hmm. giving them allotment monies toward their curriculums and their activities that they choose to do with their children. Mm-hmm. And um, it started out probably about 20 years ago with the state taking control of this. So a uh, homeschooler in Alaska could be independent if they wanted to and just be completely on their own and make up their own diploma with their own homeschool name, as it seems like you might have done with the, the cool name that you came up with. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and that, that was one choice. And the other choice was the state would provide all textbooks. And all the curriculum, you know, everything that you're supposed to do, the students would do it. They would actually send their work into a teacher who would correct it. And Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like doing public school at home.
0: Yeah.
2: And that was their answer. And that wasn't really homeschooling. For, you know, for some people it was good enough. Yeah. Because they couldn't afford to do the homeschooling on their own. And it gave them... Curriculum; it gave them the opportunity to keep their children safe and to instill their own values in the home, and, and so for some people it was an okay substitute for the real thing. Mm-hmm. But um, it did more for our school district. We had a, a visionary as a superintendent, and he saw he saw what was coming up. He's like, "Let's let's do this." So, um, the school district I was in, the Galena City School District, chose to um, begin a homeschooling program. And so through our school district, the um, parents could sign up their children to homeschool through us, and they would have a contact teacher, someone that they would contact who would help counsel them in curriculum, counsel them if they are coming upon any roadblocks, keep their paperwork straight with the state so that they would have an official transcript when they graduated from an accredited school. So it's just a beautiful plan, and it's, it's amazing what we can do for homeschoolers up here in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And our other people have jumped on board. Other school districts have seen how many families homeschool and have gotten on to this. So we're not the only ones anymore. Ours is called IDEA, I-D-E-A, mm-hmm. for Interior Distance Education of Alaska. And we service, we have offices and families all across the state. We have five different offices, one in Fairbanks, one in Wasilla, where I work, one in Anchorage, one in um, Southeast Juneau, and then we have one that kind of floats. It's called our Galena because it's, um, you know, there are bush communities, families that live in the roadless areas where Maybe there's a one-room schoolhouse with twelve kids and one teacher for grades K through 12,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and they want a different kind of education for their children. So, yeah.
0: Right. Um, so, you do you continue working? I mean, are you currently working? Yes,
2: I work full time, and it's, and that's nice for me because I can flex my hours. Like I said, I work really early. I start work at seven and I get off at three, and then um, I'll do my subjects with my daughter until dinner time. and And my husband is the one who chose to stay home and be the main homeschool mom, and he's oh, been right. wonderful.
0: Ah, uh-huh. that's a different twist. Mm-hmm. There are more and
2: more of those. Uh, I'm amazed at how many homeschool dads there are huh. um, in, in the state.
0: Yeah. Um, so, um, are there any homeschoolers who? Unschool? Have you come across any of, of the unschoolers who actually don't participate with any of the state-offered um, resources?
2: Well, we do have quite a few unschoolers. And it's kind of funny. There's The, the term unschooling, I think, kind of started out negatively, and, and it didn't mean to be, but um, I think folks who don't understand it maybe took it negatively. And I think the concept is that they don't want to be um, tied down to anything. They don't want to have to finish a curriculum or um, be tied to anything specific. They just want to go with the flow. Whatever their kids are interested in doing, that's what they're going to present, and they're just going to just immerse their uh, world, their lives in this learning, the constant learning that happens. But, you know, I think everybody does that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I so I think the unschooling here, from what I've seen, is kind of morphed into an eclectic style
0: of homeschooling
2: because it's not like
0: they don't use materials. Mm-hmm. They but use they curriculum. But, uh, so is it a law that they have to take the standardized tests, or can, can they yes. get into college another way? That's a good question.
2: Um, folks in, in Alaska can choose still to be independent homeschoolers. So they don't have to take standardized tests. They're on mm-hmm. their own. Mm -hmm. They can do whatever they want, and they create their own transcript. And so then the students have a homeschooling transcript, which holds up in colleges, and they can take that with them anywhere, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's one choice. And then they Mm -hmm. don't have to be accountable to anybody.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But students who hook into a school district... And choose to get the state funding because there's an allotment for each student. That means the families are, um, it's kind of like a bank account. And they Mm -hmm. can purchase secular materials through Mm -hmm. the state bank account. Mm -hmm. And they can provide for services like piano or PE or anything like that. They Mm -hmm. can um, use the money to purchase what they need for their students for the education for the year. And, um, and in those situations, those families would, would come to state standardized testing. We provide a, a place for them to come and take that test. And I think it's a really good thing, um, mm-hmm. because the tests are here, that mm-hmm. the students get that year-to-year practice mm-hmm. on what to do, you know, once they finally get up to where they're going to take that test. And it might mean scholarships, Mm-hmm. For here, you know, here in their tenth grade year, they do well in testing. They can get a free education mm-hmm. in
0: That's college. Wonderful. So, so you did you um, hook into the school district? I think uh, maybe I asked you, but I I was listening to something else. Did did you do? Is that the way you went?
2: So yes, when um, w- my daughter was in public school, um, she did public school up in Galena, and um, she only had nine students in her class, and then we came back down to the Anchorage area, and she was in several different public schools, and we were very disheartened Mm -hmm. by her experiences. She was a very bright young girl, very sociable, and she was sensitive to all the different things that were going on around her. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what made the decision for us. Two things. One, she was unhappy with how mean kids could be to each other or teachers to the kids. Mm-hmm. And every night it was an hour or more of decompression. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't feel like we had our family together until summer because she would come home, she would have to decompress, we'd have to, you know, even as a kindergarten she had an hour or more worth the homework and we'd have dinner and it was time to get ready for bed and it was just... Yeah. It wasn't. It didn't feel like we had our daughter anymore, and it, it, it was sad. And every summer, it was like, "Oh, thank goodness we're back," and then we'd lose her again. And mm-hmm. and so, part way into her second grade year was just one quarter in when she was the second grader in a classroom of K one two, and still doing caterpillars, being bored. They wouldn't service her. We said, um, and now I was becoming familiar with homeschoolers because this project we were creating was for homeschoolers. Um. And I started to meet those families and talk with them, and I was so impressed. Oh, my goodness, what a love they had for their children Mm -hmm. and how beautiful it was when the families came in, and they were all just happy to be together, and, oh, I was I was amazed. I was like, wow, this is a great new world I'm finding here. And the uh, more I got to know the homeschool families and the more I saw what was possible, my husband and I made the decision. And, and since he was independent, uh, owning his own business, he says, well, I'll, I'll step in and do the majority, and of of the homeschooling, and you can be my support, and you can do a subject or two, and we'll we'll make this happen so we made that decision, and we do not regret it for one second. oh, it's
0: been amazing well good, good um for those of you who are just joining us for the second half of my show, I'm ta- talking to Laurie um, Zuliger, who homeschool I said Zuliger again, did my oh, fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Homeschools her daughter in Alaska. We've been learning about the positive experience that she and her husband have when they first met with homeschoolers, and how the resources um, that are available to them are amazing from their state. Laurie is in the planning stages of a book that's going to help encourage new in the homeschooling movement and she's seeking real life help from seasoned homeschoolers more about that um, during our next segment for now i'm going to go on a short break so Go grab yourself another cuppa and a chocolate biscuit to munch and hurry back. And also, I have a little bit of 30 seconds. So, Laurie, be prepared. I will want an email address from you so that my um, listeners can email you with some of their successful homeschooling stories. Or not so successful as I spoke about earlier because we need to be honest with one another. And um, any other contact information that you might have. And so, here comes the music. And I'll be back in just a moment. Thank
1: you, Vivian. All right. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler. And we'll be right back after these. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom, Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central, on Net with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on... The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website, and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny. We're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the not soccer bomb with Jill Hickey, Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central, on toginet.com. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, The Parents' Plate is here to help you. The Parents' Plate, with Brenda Nixon, Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment, and that's what The Parents' Plate does. The Parents' Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues, from teething to teen driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website brendanixon.com The Parents' Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents' Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian Mcnenny, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian Mcnenny.
0: All right, Lori, tell us a little bit about what that you're planning. Okay,
2: thank you. Um, well, in my heart and with the leading of God, I've really felt led toward creating a resource for homeschoolers. And this resource has got to be from homeschoolers. And um, so what I wanted to do is intersperse little tips and quips from all of the people who've been there in the trenches and have learned the lessons of love and learned the lessons of how to keep their children motivated. I think that 's probably the hardest part um, along this journey is sometimes our kids don 't want to take responsibility for their own education, and really it's it 's the thing that they need to do to truly learn and and so we 've all got our stories we 've all got our stories of of times when we were struggling, times when we we almost threw in the towel and thought, well, maybe someone else would do a better job with my child. Mm-hmm. And in my heart, I know that's not true. I mean, you love your child or your children more than anybody else on the planet. Right. So how would it be that someone else could do a better job of addressing the needs of your child in education or in anything? And so we just want to, create this resource to encourage those people who are just kind of wavering back and forth. How can I do this? How can I make this work? So stories of success, um, little tips that you've come across that have helped you keep your kids going, keep yourself going, keep yourself organized, all those little things that we learned, some of us the hard way and some of us with our mentor friends. And um, so this will just be sprinkled through my book. And so I have a website, and I don't have a website yet. But I'm sorry. I have an email that I would love to get your stories from. Too, it's, um, it's Alaska Lori's at yahoo.com. So it's A K L O R I Z, as in zebra, at yahoo.com. Okay. And I've been collecting these stories. And, um, and, and also why you chose to homeschool is kind of an interesting topic. There are so many different reasons why people choose to homeschool, and it morphs and changes. I've seen it change so much over the last 11 years as I've been working with homeschool families.
0: All right, so I'm going to put that actually on my um, Tokenet uh, website when I when I write up the uh, description for the podcast that will be going up within an hour of us finishing here. So I'll put that on there and encourage people to write it, and I might even um, send you something. If I can yay, finish. yay. And if I, I know, choose to yeah. use any of these articles, any of these stories, any um, of these tips, I will be
2: letting you know that I've chosen to put it in. Okay. And because I've got this pile, I'm collecting them up, and it's just been wonderful. I'm being encouraged by reading your stories, uh-huh. and I know that that's going to be helping all of us. Because it's it's a growing group of folks who believe that their children need more. And um, it's a safer environment at home. Many of us choose to because we want to infuse our values into our education. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a wonderful way to do that. and
0: so yes. that's great now. You said that you um that there are something like 4,000 homeschoolers and Alaska, Alaska has a population of a you know, million. And
2: I, so, I I I kind of tried to research that um there're just 4,000 in my very own um program, but right. there are probably five or six programs in Alaska. Yeah. And I'm oh. not exactly sure what their numbers are, but a couple of them are as large as ours if not larger. So um yes. Yeah. It, there are many, many homeschoolers and over a million in the U.S. alone.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. And so I know. I know. we're a growing number for many, many reasons. We could go into the reasons for probably three hours. But um, people are saying, if my children are more important than an extra income or whatever it is, you know, because we can still have another job. I can work full-time and still homeschool my daughter. My husband still does his business on the side. Mm-hmm. We we can still make it work, and oh, it's yes. a challenge, but it's That's... it's such a joy. It's been a, a wonderful experience. And as I'm heading down the home stretch, my daughter uh, just finished her freshman year. I'm starting to, you know, I, I heard you talk about the emptiness, and I start to think, yeah, we're getting we're getting here toward the end of of mm-hmm. the at home journey. She'll probably still be doing college and and all that. But you know, her door, she's got so many more opportunities now. Mm-hmm. She is in high school taking college classes because she can yeah. she um, she she gets to she wrote a novel already I mean she gets all these opportunities she gets to follow her dreams and her her heart without all the distraction of all the things the, that are going on in the public school and i 'm so blessed and feel so just happy that we 've had this opportunity to to create this world for her and you 're right we have to let them go through their own struggles and sometimes that's hard to make that choice. And I think I think the hardest thing for me along the journey was am I, I kept asking myself, are we making the right decision here? Is this really mm-hmm. the what's best for our daughter? Mm-hmm. And I think that was been that's been the biggest question and why I'm led to write this book because I think I think in our hearts we know that it is the best, but somehow in our heads there's this noise going on that's telling us it's not someone
0: else is more qualified i don't know our children definitely told us oh mom thank you so much for homeschooling us i wouldn't have been able to do this or i wouldn't have been able to do that or i'd have had to have you know sort of gone to school with those kinds of people or whatever Mm -hmm. you know they Mm -hmm. said they always thanked us and Mm -hmm. um very verbal about it my son who's a zookeeper has had several articles written about him in his college that he went to. He went to a community college for two years before going to, to A&M. Mm-hmm. And this lady has asked him, one of these writers has said to him, will you come and talk um, to my um, group because you are one of the most interesting people I have ever met and, <laughs> and he talks about homeschooling and the flexibility that he had and the volunteer opportunities that he was able to pursue and now he's living his dream and oh is and he is personable he really doesn't fit any of the stereotypes for homeschooler he's just a very personable person and happy mm-hmm. to homeschooling a really good um a really good what mascot for homeschooling or whatever symbol. Oh
2: yes yeah. Oh, and I know I've never heard of a stereotype for homeschoolers um, except from when I was at the lower 48. It was typically thought of as um, students who, who couldn't make it and would drop out and mm-hmm. stay home and eat bonbons and watch TV for a year and then come back to the next grade level because they got kicked out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that that was the prevailing attitude where I was working in the school. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know anything about homeschooling and homeschoolers because Mm -hmm. we didn't have a community of them where I lived. But now that I I live in a community of homeschoolers, it's it's a whole other world. You can create a whole other world for
0: your children. And I think... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that's that's wonderful. And Laurie, we have come to the end of our time. It's been great talking to you um, oh, this you. morning for you, this afternoon for me. Thank you for getting up early. I know you were um, late to bed last night, but at least you've got sunshine going. It's not too, too early for you. Um, I've been talking to Laurie um, Zullinger, a certified teacher who homeschools her daughter in Alaska. Um, she's writing a book to encourage and support new homeschoolers who may be struggling with teaching their children at home. And she wants to be able to offer wisdom, advice, and encouragement. And her email address is aklauriz at yahoo.com. And it will be on my um, Togenet, um webpage so that you can participate in her project by sharing successful homeschooling stories and anecdotes and why you chose to homeschool. Um, have a wonderful weekend, Laurie, and wish your husband a happy Father's Day. Yeah, And um, thank you so much for chatting with me. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Vivian. It really has. And thank you so much for inviting me to come onto your show. Oh, you're welcome. Bye. Well, I have a few minutes. Yes, I have four minutes. Um, as I mentioned, we had um, Vincent's, my brother's boys, to stay with us on Saturday night. And I was able to sleep in a bed. And um, we indulged them as we can because we hand them back, pay back for when Vincent would come and stay with us in America and make our children think he was the best uncle in the world. Uh, we fed them fee- pizza, soft drinks, soda pop and we let them stay up and they made a makeshift bed on the lounge floor. Malia had left strict instructions that no one was allowed to stay in her room while she was jet setting in Paris and we allowed them to watch a film and we said they had to turn out their lights at midnight, unheard of in the house. But hey, they didn't have to get up in the morning and we found out that they didn't watch the whole film because it went on later than the agreed bedtime. So Sam, the oldest, turned off the TV at midnight and um, as I said, it is Nathaniel, the youngest birthday today. He's eight and I'd better get him a card and a gift, otherwise I'll lose my best aunt in the world title and now I'm going to do something completely different I'm going to ask you a couple of little joke questions what do you call a blind deer no idea what do you call a dead blind deer still no idea and what do you call a dead blind deer on fire still flaming no idea my blue-eyed cowboy trotted these gems out last night at the dinner table. And when we asked him where he'd heard them, he said, Nathaniel told them to me. So keep the material coming, young lad. Those were quite funny. And... um I guess I'm going to have to close. I went to yoga this week. I found a little yoga class to go to. I was in dire need of something to calm my nerves and stretch out my body. And I wasn't nearly as inflexible as I expected to be. So that was a surprise. And it was quite pleasant. There were like 14 of us in quite a small room that seemed large when I first walked in. But at the end, with all 14 of us crammed in, um, it was quite good. And... um, Anyway, I've managed to her on, and I haven't talked an awful lot about what's been going on this week because, you know, there's been a lot of kind of sad stuff going on as well as happy stuff, and I've just been real busy. So um, I'm going to wrap up now, and um, I've managed to... um, Rattle on. I'm looking at the um, willow tree outside the window, and it's really pretty. And it's Father's Day here in England as well as in America. So happy Father's Day out there to all the dads. I'm sure we'll be doing something special with our blue eyed Texan. I think Malia and I may be clearing out cupboards in the kitchen and lounge this weekend. And then next week, we'll tackle the garage. I'll probably go out running or jogging with her. That's her new form of exercise. And I'm willing to try anything once. So we'll see how it goes. So before I totally zone out from another exhausting week, I'll say my thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief. We miss the three of you in Texas, the hardworking staff at Net Radio, my guest, Laurie Zulliger. And you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne, yes, my mother-in-law in Nindale, Texas, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, and many others who are part of my growing audience. So until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you and give you peace. Bye.
1: Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet.